gentlemen i hope your week was well how are things good morning things are good loving the hair it's a, it's a work in progress man it, it, you know and today i think you did this intentionally because you know you're getting a lot of fan mail you're using different angles now with your camera it's different than you had it last week and i think that's indicative of a man who 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 knows what he's got you know, regarding your looks and you know how to manifest it. Um, not necessarily even, I mean, just to please all of us, you're doing it for us. And, you know, at, at the holiday season, I got to just say, I got to be the first to say thank you for doing this. Well, I do like to think of it as my Christmas gift to all the listeners, honestly, and viewers actually more so, but so you're welcome, everyone. I think the the people who just listen only, yeah, they, they probably are getting the better end of the deal, but hey, you know, whatever. I mean, that's great. Hi, Nico. Hey, how you guys doing? You're looking good too. You got that Count Dante thing going on with the uh, facial hair. You know, it's it's looking. <laughs> well, he needs the '70s afro. Can you like when you grow your hair out? Does it go go more like afro or does it go long? Have you what's the longest yeah. you've ever had your hair? Uh, I've had it probably to my ears before, but yeah, it goes through an afro stage for a while and that's kind of tough to deal with well it's just like training man if you want if you have a goal you got to stick through the hard parts right tony <laughs> yeah absolutely and i'll tell you the payoff in the end would be terrific i think if you could let it get to maybe shoulder length just try it uh 2021 could be like a goal year for you with your hair, hair growth uh you don't know where this could go i mean you could kind of if you let it grow even longer um you could become the Fabio of the martial arts world, uh, Nico. Uh, I think Joe's got that title. It's yeah. really a race. It's going to be a race. I think it should be a three-way. Honestly, we should all, and I should avoid <laughs> using that term, honestly. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that should be our 20, uh, 21 goals. See who 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 goes chicken first. Who who cuts their hair first? Well, you two are on. I'll be the I'll be the judge, and I'll. He you already know. cops out. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. I'm actually thinking about getting my hair to look more like Nico's now, shaving it off, but, uh, you know, not shaving it off. But no, I'm, it'll be, I'm going to get it cut probably this week. My mother needs to get hers cut. So, yeah, for those who are, at, you know, who are keeping up on, on that uh, with my mom's health, we found out this week she broke her back. She has a fracture of the lumbar, lower lumbar, which isn't good. She had a fall and, you know, um, you always get nervous when the doctor actually calls as opposed to the nurse. When the doctor calls the house after the x-rays were speedily, I mean, we got the x-rays, walked in, got the x-rays done, and I don't know, three hours later, there's the phone. Um, so it's going to be an eight-week recovery, but she's probably two weeks or so into this already. Um, and it was just, you know, we'll just see what happens. It's sad that 
But uh, other than that, um, yeah, let's jump right into this. You know, I got a, an email today, or this week, I should say, from the legend, the one and only, the true Polish prince. Sorry, Bobby Vinton. Uh, Martin Witkowski, the lucky 13 hero, uh, which was great to hear from him. And he, you know, enjoys our podcasts. And um, I think he misses you tremendously, Joe. Um, but we, um, he wanted, he's really become, you know, huge follower of boxing the last five years or so. And, uh, and I told him, and we exchanged a few emails and I said, yeah, I'll, uh, we'll focus a little bit on boxing. He had a cu couple specifics really about power generation. And, uh, and I also mentioned that I would touch on what I believe is needed, how to, how to, uh, what you should take from boxing, um, from an overall general, uh, self-defense or street fight situation, what techniques you, you should focus on. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that's a good, a good topic. Uh, so if either one of you guys want to put some input in, go right ahead. You guys can kick it off and then I'll join in. Well, Martin did send some video clips. I was able to check a couple of them out. One of them was, um, a trainer, you know, and he kind of, it was clear. And even Martin was kind of aware that the goal of the training of, of this training was just for fitness. And I think there's probably a lot of that out like cardio boxing type stuff. Um, but it gets a little risky. I think with those kind of programs is, um, or at least you have to be clear in your head what, what they're doing it for and that there might be things missing. Cause I did watch, you know, watch, skip through it and watch some of it. Um, but it was definitely what I would say, kind of developing some risky habits, maybe. I don't know if you got to watch it at all, Tony. I did. And I was highly disappointed in it because you're right. And I've had this problem going back decades with the um, cardio boxing or the cardio kickboxing. And what it does is actually it creates injuries um, because it, if you're going to spend the time and effort to mock box, let's say, or mock kickbox, let's do it right. Let's do the right techniques. Let's throw the punches properly. Let's throw the kicks properly. Because um, you are going to have injuries. And not only that, you're just not going to be utilizing uh, your mechanics properly. So since you're investing the time, do it right. The guy that filmed the video, you know, the, the video author, his heart's in the right place, but, you know, he just doesn't have the skill set as far as the, you know, the boxing. So I agree with you there, Joe. It's, uh, it was really, uh, you know, I was not impressed. Yeah. The first thing that kind of jumped out in my mind, I mean, cause really he was going for duration. So the, the goal was to throw as many punches, like let's say in a minute, he'd have a certain combination and you'd work that and then you'd relax for a little bit. Uh, and then you'd go back and work different combinations, which is all fine, but it was definitely done. Um, he basically was standing still in front of the boxing, you know, which is, you know, there wasn't any focus. You know, one of the things you really stressed for me in my training was, you know, even though if you're working the bag, you're always working your, your footwork and your head movement. You're not standing stationary in front of that bag, because if it was an opponent, you know, you don't want to just be a, a you know, a ready there to be a target. And so, um, like I said, the goal of this video was different, but like I said, if you're looking to start looking to get to apply these skills for fighting, uh, you have to even approach the heavy bag with a different mindset. Well, let's take it a step further now. Let's discuss this in depth. Uh, and I don't want to mention the author's name. I don't want to bring any 
negativity negativity to someone he's trying to make a living which you know we should all get behind but you're just the fact of standing stationary you when you can obviously move around moving around is going to give you know give you more of a cardio output and it's going to help you benefit you know tremendously and uh so that from a stand for first and foremost yeah you have to be moving around but secondly and I want people to really understand this. When you when you can start to slip and move and change your footwork and all of this, forget about all the cardio benefits and whatever. You're getting you're learning how to gain control over your own body. Okay, that is the key. You're going to be using muscles that ordinarily would not get used. All right, and the mastery of movement is, to me unbelievably beneficial and in a way more beneficial than even cardiovascular uh, benefits. Um, it, when you look, take, take a look back at some dancers. Okay. The way they're so graceful with their body ballerinas, uh, all of them, ballroom dancers, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, all of them. Uh, there was a grace about them. There was a tremendous sense of athleticism as well. When you can control your body and just have it do what your mind commands, uh, it's it's awesome, and it and it, it helps tap into and helps unleash the power of your mind. That if you can control your your physical body and manifest changes, you can make changes outside of your body too in your own in your own life. So uh, that's really key. And uh, again, I want to focus on doing everything proper so you don't risk injury and you don't uh, develop poor uh, habits. You know, muscle memory is a real thing. You know, your body gets used to doing things a certain way. Um, and if down the line you decide, to, hey, I really want to get serious about boxing and now you've been throwing punches like this or something ridiculous, you know, focusing like that guy was doing strictly arm punching, you're going to walk into the gym and and, and a qualified coach is going to say, sorry, pal, you know, you're, you, you got to start at square one. You're doing everything improper. So there, there's, there's a lot, there's, it's not easy, but it's not, the hardest part is discovering these things and hopefully we can shed light on it and, and save you all that legwork, do things the right way. And, you know, from the very beginning, and then you won't have to go over it and, you know, correct things down the line. Cause that's where it gets tough. Tony, do you think there's some value to some of these kind of drills? Like I've seen them do like punch out drills and uh, throw a maximum amount of punches in maybe 30 seconds or whatever. Or For example, the speed bag. I mean, you're not really using the technique you would use in a boxing match on the speed bag. But I mean, I think there's got to be some kind of value to speed bag and some of those drills where you're not really using perfect technique. What do you think? Well, I'll, Yes and no. When you when you work a speed bag, you are using great technique. You know, you're keeping your elbow. I can't do it here, but you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. But you're not you're not like, you know, everything is nice and tight, and you should get your body into a little rhythm with it and move around. You know, as you're doing the the speed bag, um, yeah. And the speed bag just helps you know getting getting your uh, your hand. You know, you don't even need a speed bag if you don't have one. You can mock a speed bag. Um, but yeah, that's different than what we're talking about here, where you're literally throwing punches or kicks, not in this guy's example, but in others, totally improper, where you, you can risk an injury. Uh, so 
Yeah, there are specific drills, Nico, you're correct, that will help you. But again, it's all about doing them properly. Now, I've seen guys, non-boxers, by the way, that just their thing is the speed bag. They're just regular guys that never boxed, but they got a thing about the speed bag. It's like jumping rope. And they're tremendous on the speed bag. They can do things that most boxers can't do or would have to really work hard at doing. Um, but that's a different thing. That's like a hobby for them. That became like an almost, in some of these guys' cases, an obsession. But when you watch them, they're not doing anything mechanically wrong. Uh, and that's the key. So I don't care what you do, Nico or Joe, as long as you're mechanically sound while you're doing it. And that's, that takes a trained eye. I, you know, I don't know who this, this guy that we watched, um, I don't know what his fan base is. I don't obviously think they're professional fighters. You know, they wouldn't be watching something like that. Uh, he's just marketing it towards people who don't really fight. Um, like jumping rope, people can argue, well, what's about, what, what is it about jumping rope? You don't box like you're jumping rope, but no, that, but you're doing it correctly. You're keeping your elbows in normally, or if you're going to do the crossovers, everything is sound and that's help you develop your, uh, you know, your endurance and, and your timing and, you know, getting light on your feet. So yeah, in that regard, Nico, there's a lot of benefit. How, how are you jumping? Are you jumping effectively? <laughs> that's the that's the key. I know, like, when we train sometimes, you know, at the gym, uh, though we will focus maybe, let's say, we'll spend one round just working jabs, you know. So one of the things he was doing is he'd work a set combination for a set amount of times. And that's something we do do, um, uh, at least what I remember from training. So we might focus, but again – you weren't doing it just for the numbers, I guess. It wasn't just for endurance. I think that endurance was secondary. I think it's kind of what we're going at. If, as long as your technique isn't suffering. So, right. you know, if you're starting to drop your hands or, uh, yeah, just ex expose yourself getting into you know, poor stance or footwork, that's, that's the issue. Right. And we, I've always done punch-out drills. That in itself isn't the problem. The problem is when you don't do them properly. Everything I'm saying here isn't against doing the things, so, so to speak. It's about doing them properly and having your mind focused, okay? So, yeah, like normally when you have the ring timer, the last 15 seconds, yeah, you punch out. You know, you do as much as you can. Um, or you just, you know, I was having you just do drills, you know, just exercises up out this way just to get preparatory. But none of that is geared for boxing per se. That's a preparatory exercise for the real fighting stuff, you know. Um, yeah, and you, and you just have to keep keep it focused. But my, my point is to those people who don't, who may say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to be a boxer. I don't have any aspirations of even sparring. Fine, but you're putting in the time anyway, so you might as well do it correctly. R less risk of injury, and you're going to reap the benefits because you're going to actually be good at what you're doing. And I always advocate shadow boxing or wrestling, however you want to look at it. But yeah, moving head movement, getting the working the angles, working your footwork. And if you're an MMA type, like we are, we're, we're cross trainers and we've been um, that before MMA existed, you throw in sprawls when you're um, boxing, you know, you're doing your work and then sprawl, maybe take a shot. We've all done this. I've, I've had you guys do all that stuff. I don't know if Nico's gotten that far where I used to have him do sit outs and everything else all is in a rhythm and everything is um, 
or I shouldn't say in a rhythm, but in a sequence. And everything is has to be done properly. If at any time your sit out, let's say, is poor, I'll stop. You'll say, nope, stop. You know, uh, your sprawl, nope, try better. You know, uh, so that's really important to me um, that you, when you do everything, it's it's done right. I'm a stickler for getting it right. What are some of your favorite combinations to practice? This, you know, we talk about street focus. What do you think are the ones that people should have it in their core repertoire? Well, obviously the jab cross, the old one too, right? But um, there's a lot to that too. You know, you know, never generally you never lead with a left hook and all of this stuff. Well, you know, jab, cross, hook, you know, um, you can double the jab, you know, jab, cross, uppercut, elbow, you know, a right hand elbow. So, you know, jab twice, right cross, uppercut, out, right elbow. Um, those are nice uh, combinations. And if, you know, you can, instead of maybe if you don't want to use an elbow, you know, you use your right. Um, and you know, you have to get in a combination. You, you, you have to, or not, I shouldn't say a combination. You have to get in a, uh, whatever you're doing ultimately has to lead into a jab, a cross, an uppercut, a hook, at least. Okay. And we don't even need to worry about variations like half uppercuts and, you know, shovel hooks and all that. Just those basics, get them in there. Um, and then start working a pattern. But the key isn't just to stand there, boom, 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 like this and not move. It's, it's, a, it's about moving around soundly and getting from point A to point B as efficient as you possibly can. You know, too many people rely on arm punching. You have to learn how to put your body in a pivoting, you know, pivoting, pivoting, pivoting to get that power to increase your, to decrease your distance and increase your um Percept, speed perception, your per, per, perception of being fast. Um, this is all ties in. It's, there's a lot. There's a lot of small details, you know, that just you know people don't know unless you've really been in the boxing. You know, they say the the most powerful punch or whatever is a short one, six inch punch, because you're right there. You don't see it coming. It's on the acceleration stage when you land, as opposed to being way out here and decelerating by the time it lands there's a lot of science behind it so whatever you decide to do even if it's just the old one two um or jab cross hook or jab cross uppercut whatever be closer to your target <clears throat> if it's a heavy bag be close if it's a uh, imaginary if it's shadow boxing imagine the guy's close to you boom when you do that and part of the problem with people is they don't visualize when they train Okay, the, the heavy bag is an inanimate object, can't hit you back. That's how they think. Uh, or if they're, they have, they don't even have a heavy bag, they're just shadow boxing, you're just throwing random punches like this guy was doing. Um, but when you, if you wouldn't do that in front of a human being, okay, even if the guy wasn't really hitting you, if he would just throw punches at you, you know, just slap at you, you'd realize, oh boy. So, this is what you have to get in your mindset. You have to realize that, okay, there's somebody hitting me back. So you can't throw a jab and drop your right hand. Okay. You got to keep that hand up when you're throwing your jab and your right, uh, your uh, one, two, your crosses. So everything is there. So you're going the shortest distance. You're going as quick as possible. And you're retracting your, your weapon, your, your jab or your cross back to its starting position. So you're ready to go. Okay. Um, this is important. 
and I think this is glossed over. It's overlooked by many people. I mean, even even competitors slip up and they don't throw their punches properly. Okay, at times it just happens, or fatigue sets in, or you know you get excited. So you can really generate a great workout, and you can become, you know, pretty good at what you're doing. Now the the difference between that and and actually being a top flight competitor is. You know, number one, you have to be able to have the mental attitude to not fall apart when, you know, you're getting assaulted. Number two, you have to have the ability to take a punch and absorb a punch. None of this can happen when you're uh, shadow boxing or drilling on your own. That's where you need a competent uh, instructor and a sparring partner. But, yeah, just do these things and, and, and don't, I think, change the mindset to doing it for cardio benefits because that's going to come along. Now, do it because you want to learn the techniques and become effective. And the bonus is you'll improve your cardiovascular. Because if you do it the other way around, it's you're going to end up sloppy and you're going to end up uh, wasting a lot of time. You mentioned um, elbows and the combinations, or at least in one of the combinations we were talking about, which is obviously non-traditional or illegal for sport boxing. Are there other... Uh, what I'd call street type strikes or non-traditional boxing strikes that you like to mix in. So like uh, substituting like a hammer fist for a hook or uh, palm strikes or even like a back fist. What are your thoughts on those type of strikes? Well, headbutts first and foremost. Okay. That that's, that's the one you need to work on because you're there. Okay. You're, you should be there. You're in, you can lead, you can lead with your head in many different ways. Um, if you looked at an old, Roberto Duran used to do a speed bag workout where he would actually hit the speed bag with his head, with his neck. I mean, it was unbelievable. And yeah, you can headbutt, throw your shoulder at the person. Um, that's really important. The shoulder to guy, just to push him back off, that creates your opening, okay, to follow up. Uh, so shoulder, shoulder uh, shots, headbutts, um, elbows, forearms, jamming a forearm like this, making a frame, jamming it up, and it was thrown into his chin, whatever, to elevate the guy. And again, to get a rise out of them, so then you can attack the solar plexus. You could attack the attack his groin. You could shoot in, take him down. You know, uh, and yeah, I don't know about a spinning back fist. I don't, I don't know if that's what you asked. If you asked about a back fist, yeah, I mean, spinning back fist fist can work. I mean, <laughs> we had we had a guest on here a month ago, Shoney, who used it. You know, um, so anything can work. <clears throat> it's what you focus on. But me, I like the things in and tight and and i don't generally i don't like to turn my back to an opponent at all um and knees uh short short low leg low level leg kicks or you know kicks below the waist or you know right to the ribs area um especially as you get older um your flexibility your speed may not be there so you don't want to ever put yourself in a compromising position but people no matter what offensive technique you do Always, rem always remember that boxing at the heart of it all, unless you get a one punch knockout, it's a counter punch deal. Uh, and even in the street fight, you it's, you know, you are vulnerable every time you come out of your shell, when you throw something, anything, you become vulnerable. So you want to limit your vulnerability. And hopefully your, your, your assault will work. One punch fights over, but if it doesn't, he can counter you, he or she can counter you. So, no matter what technique you're using, make sure that you, you have your, your moment of vulnerability as 
short as possible because we're all going to be vulnerable. The greatest fighter that ever lived, the greatest boxer or whatever is vulnerable when they, when they throw strikes. Um, it's just physics. It's just nothing you can do about it. Okay. So yeah, to wrap that up, headbutts, shoulders, uh, knees, kicks, low kicks, elbows. Yes. Palm strikes. All of that's fine. Um, I'm not opposed to slaps. You know, slaps can work really well because they come from anywhere. And a slap, yeah, you can put your body weight behind it as well. But a slap, all of this is designed, some of it is designed to end, but some of it is designed as a means to an end. And the key is to learn to follow up, okay? Um, so if you slap somebody or whatever the strike is, if that doesn't immobilize the, the opponent, follow up. With boxing, think about this a minute, guys. When a boxer throws a strike, he's waiting to see that opening, the follow-up opening. But he's limited. He's limited in two ways, really. He's limited in the amount of target that he can hit, and he's limited in his use of weapons. He's limited to his fists. He can't use his forearms, can't use his elbows, can't use anything else. We're not limited by that. So we have a greater palette to choose from, both as a, you know, on his body and our tools, Okay. So we open ourselves up to, I think we would have to have quicker thought process. And again, mastery of our body, which is really important so we can make our body parts move when we need them to move. And it opens us up also to a greater creativity. We have more latitude to use uh, tools that a boxer uh, can't use or a kickboxer, you know. I mean, even take it even a step further, even MMA, even though they have more tools than a traditional boxer, they're, they're also hampered by some. So, um, and another great thing to think about is if you can get, even if you don't knock your opponent out, if you can get your opponent turned around, so he's not facing you. Now you got his back. You're, you're pretty safe, except for any kind of back strike, back elbow, mule kick, spinning fist. Um, you can cover up and, you know, work his kidneys and, you know, hit, hit him hard in the spine, choke him, whatever. I mean, so, yeah, again, you have a lot more options. You know, go for the back of the knee. Uh, you know, it, it's limitless, you know, uh, to what you can do. But, you know, you have to have the mind for it and you have to have your body in the position to counter. That's, you know, that's where that video guy that we saw, you know, he's standing still. That's, you know, you got to learn to move and control your body. Did he have another question about power generation? He did. And, you know, you got people who are labeled as soft punchers and, you know, heavy hands. And in my day and age, it was, you know, um, Ernie Shavers. And before I get into power generation, Martin, this is specifically for you because I forgot to answer this in your email, but you made a comment about his, I forgot you, you were very witty the way you wrote it, but in essence, his knockout ratio may not be as good as some of the guys today, even though um, Shavers had all this power. That comes down to the level of competition. Ernie Shavers was fighting some of the greatest heavyweights that ever lived. Um, not so much today, okay? So um, that really is what it boils down to. Um, yeah, you can hit hard, but you got to always, you have to always, uh, it's who you're fighting, okay? And Shavers fought a lot, you know, like I said, some of the greatest heavyweights, maybe that era. 
may have been the greatest era of heavyweight fighters of all time. I mean, you know, even guys that didn't win the title, you know, guys like Jerry Quarry, uh, you know, Shavalo, uh, who I don't think he ever even got knocked down. Then, you know, you step it up to, uh, you know, Kenny, I'll name names that people know, Kenny Norton, Foreman, Joe Frazier, of course, Muhammad Ali, you know, um, later on, Lee, uh, well, Leon, and then uh, you had uh, Leon Spinks, and then you had uh, Larry Holmes, and then other guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Zola Four, uh, or I forgot his last name now, Jesus, um, you know, there's just a bunch, Ernie Terrell, you know, these were these guys were great. So as far as generating power, okay, you have to, it, it's a, it, it's one of these things that is very difficult. The heavy bag will really help you. But again, it's learning to use planet earth to your benefit. You, your, your power is coming from the ground, from the floor, from the, you know, from the earth. And it generates through your limbs, through your legs, through your hips, through your shoulder, through your elbow, through your wrist. That's the chain here. And it has to be symphonic. Everything has to be, there's a synergistic thing here going on. Everything has to be timed just right. And you have to put all of these things together to generate that force. Part of the problem is a lot of people tend to be upright. You can't, your, your center of gravity is higher. Okay. Therefore you're not going to generate as much force there. Now, when I'm saying to lower your center of gravity, I don't mean to drop it by five inches, just learning to sit down a little bit on your punches. Now, the drawback to that is you'll lose some maneuverability, okay, mobility. Um, but you sit down on your punches a little. And basically what that means is, you know, bend a little, get your hips under you, make sure, you know, your feet are appropriately apart um, so you have a stable base. And then you want to learn to get your hips going. Get Start from the feet, pivot, and throw from the hip, from the feet to the hip, to the shoulder, get that shoulder going, that elbow, and then finally turning that wrist. And, you know, you'd, you'd be shocked at how much power you can generate uh, comparatively to when you began. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us are going to become Ernie Shavers. You know, there, there was some physiology going on with him that, you know, just, he was just one of those guys. Okay. Just, just like the fastest man in the world. He doesn't have any secrets. Usain Bolt uh, trains probably just the way everybody else did, but he just had that, you know, he was tall. He was, he had gifts that made him faster than everybody else. Shavers had gifts that made him, you know, hit harder than anybody else, but it came at a price. You know, he'll, he, he's, he's an awesome guy. He'll never go down as the greatest fighter. He may go down as the heaviest hitter, you know, so it, it comes at, you know, it, it, we can't be great at everything. So it, there's always a balance. There's always a trade-off. But I believe that everyone can improve their power. Just do it slowly. Do it scientifically. Do it properly. And everything becomes a timing thing. And here's another thing. Um, that we're not machines. It, knowing when to hit. Getting that timing right hitting the guy just in the right spot at the right time can also mean a lot. Okay. And your opponent, there's some guys that can seriously take a punch. They can take a punch better than others. You know, when boxing, some people are called glass jaw, you know, they, they can't take a hit. Um, others can, 
So, you know, don't get disgruntled or discouraged on that. If you hit somebody and it doesn't hurt them, well, that could just be him. But not always. It could be you. But, yeah, Nico, um, it's, you know, if you have good shoulders and you have good triceps for that extension of that, because the last area is your is your arms, and you can get that whip-like action going on, and you can throw in a straight line and be very precise at where you land, even if you were doing this on a machine that can test your power. If you don't hit it flush, your energy will deflect. You've got to make sure that that punch is going straight through the target, not coming in on an angle and glancing, okay? It's got to go straight through the target, all the way through it. Uh, that's another key. And hopefully having the opponent moving in. Now, that that will that'll magnify your power. But just raw power, man. I told you what to do already. Feet, you know, pivot at the knees, hips, shoulders, elbows, wrist, and go through that target, all the way through the target. This is not the target if you're trying to hit me. This isn't the target. The target should be back here, back behind my head. You know, that's what you want to do. You want to be accelerating, always accelerating, when you land on that target, okay, and you want to try to be damn near your maximum acceleration. If you can hit it when you're accelerating at the maximum, if you can get that space, that distance right, man, and you can experiment with that, okay? You can do that on a heavy bag. Uh, you don't want to hit it when you're decelerating, you know, and that's, and that's what a lot of people do. They stay too far away. Got to get in there. I'm done. I think one of the keys you mentioned before, which I think is really helpful for most people, is being able to relax and how that can really increase your speed and, and power. Because I think a lot of people are just really tight. Their antagonistic muscles are super tight, and, and that translates to bad timing, loss of speed, and power. Correct. It's like driving a car and you have your foot on the brake. You know, a lot of people do that. It's called riding the brake, and your brake pads wear out. Well, you can never go as fast as you possibly can if your foot's on the brake. And that's what happens when your body's tight. Yes, you want to be very relaxed. You do. Um, A lot of people have said that, you know, when there's accidents, car accidents, drunk drivers or just somebody drunk in the car, they're relaxed, they're maybe even asleep, and their injuries may not be as great as somebody else's because they're relaxed. It's all about relaxing. Yeah, the more you're relaxed, the less tense you are. And you're 100% right in what you said, Nico, 100%. It's like putting the brakes on. You, you know, you, you can't be that way. You've got to be kind of loose. You know, you can look tight, but you can't be tight. You got to be nice and loose. And you got to breathe properly. Get that oxygen through, man, through your system. That's fuel. That's, that's helping you, man. It's fueling you. There's so much that's going on. Um. And getting back a minute to Ernie Shavers, you know, nobody took this science probably that high back then. Um, They probably, probably didn't put him through crazy types of testing. I'm sure they may have tested his PSI or something. Who knows? Um, Or foot pounds, however they would do it. But did they test his breathing? Did they analyze his distance? Uh, Where was his elbow? Was it completely extended when he landed his power? How? uh, There's a lot going on here. Now, I don't know if they did or didn't do these things. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm totally ignorant on it. But that's the only way to really get down to the bottom of it. Um, But regardless, it's not about a competition to outdo 
Ernie Shavers. It's about a competition to outdo yourself, to be a harder hitter this week than you were last week. Um, yes, I'm glad you brought up that relaxation because we talked about this last week about coaching and how sometimes us coaches, we, you know, we don't get right down to the raw basics because we just take it for granted and we forget. Well, that's, that's a very good thing that is basic should be taught on the first, first lessons is learning how to relax, you know, just take it easy. Sometimes I don't point that out until I see an, uh, an, a student, you know, struggling. I'll say, Hey, take it easy. Or they're out of breath. You know, like, you know, like Joe has a problem here. I don't mean to embarrass him, but sensational guy, you know, Joe, your breathing is a problem. You tend to hold your breath and um, that's not beneficial. Yeah. I think that's from years. And I really regret, I, I spent a lot of time on the swim team and in that, you know, like when you're trying to do just like a 50 yard, sometimes you're trying to put all this effort while you're holding your breath, because when you come up for breath, you're actually kind of slowing your, your streamlining down. And I think that's really like programmed into me when I'm exerting myself, I, I hold my breath. And it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that I have to be very conscious of, like deliberately, like, and I try and do it with everything. So when I'm lifting, I try to breathe as I'm, you know, pushing out. And actually, I was going to kind of mention that too. As far as power generation, I was always told that you need to exhale on the strike too, kind of just like when you lift. So like you hear a lot of uh, like either kickboxers or boxers, like a lot of you'll hear forceful breathing, you know, deliberate hard breathing as they're striking. Is that correct? Something? Yeah, uh, you're a hundred percent right. You want to like that's karate, Oosh, you know, whatever they say, you know. Yeah. Um, seems, that seems to be universal in martial arts. You it, know, well, the, the forceful exhale. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, some people take it for to a mystical level, but it's just physi physiology. Yeah. You know, um, breathing in, everything, come, you know, you're, yeah, but when you're breathing out, you're pushing, I mean, you're, it's, you're, now this almost sounds mystical, but you're pushing your energy out. Okay. You're getting everything out, outward. And, and that really is helpful for Italians because we eat a lot of garlic. So when we breathe out. We have a weapon that most people don't have. So, so um, that's another thing I suggest anyone um, that's really serious about self-defense. By the way, that, that What's that? is devastating. What's that? I said you've really mastered that form of attack, by the way. I'm one of the best. Um, I honestly have to say that, yeah, when it comes to the garlic breath attack, um, I'm not sure I've seen any. Well, there was one guy that was probably a little bit better than me. I really couldn't tell because I would go unconscious too quickly. Um, but yeah, he was really good with the garlic breath. Um, not a good fighter, good jazz accordionist, but yeah, he had that garlic breath down pat. So I highly suggest everyone, um, and you don't even have to be Italian. I don't want to say this. I shouldn't just keep it a secret, but you don't have to be Italian to learn that garlic breath technique, but it helps. Hey, for breathing out. So in, in some martial arts, I see them, they'll breathe out with through their mouth, but we recommend through your nose, correct? You got to keep that mouth closed. No, in through the nose, out through the mouth. But there's a difference between, you know, you're not going to breathe out like that where you're opening up your jaw through your teeth. You know, you know, I'm not opening up my mouth. I can keep my jaws. See, like I'm tensing. I'm, you know, it's all coming out there. Yeah, you don't want to be a mouth breather, man, because that, that could be, because then you're going to breathe in and out through the mouth. No, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Exhale. 
No, no, it acts as a filter, or at least it's supposed to, right? So all the air is coming in through your nostrils, it's getting filtrated, and it's going through your nasal cavity and so on, and it's oxygenating you a little better than going through your mouth, allegedly. I mean, you know, you ever notice how hard it's, how it, how it's hard to breathe when you're stuffed up, when you have a cold, you can't breathe, and then you're breathing through your mouth all of a sudden. What's one of the first things that happens, guys? Think about this. When you mouth breathe, yes, oh, you, yeah, and you get, and you, you're right, and you know what else? Your mouth gets really dry yeah. quickly. So if you're noticing during your workouts that you're you got you have dry mouth, you're breathing through your mouth. Okay, that's more than likely what's happening here, and you're not breathing properly. So that's a really good self-analyzation technique. Dry mouth is telling you that you you have a problem here. Um, so you know, monitor all of that. Um, and sometimes you can shallow breathe, especially like on the ground. If a man's on top of you on the ground and you get, if you take deep breaths while well, your chest is moving forward, outward, and you have the guy, whatever he weighs on top of you. Now your chest is literally your, your musculature is trying to lift that guy off your body. You can't do that. You have to learn how to shallow breathe as well. We've talked about this before. As for some yoga training could come into, into play. Go to a, a real yoga, you know, not, not somebody who's, you know, trying to market something here. You know, just go, you know, go to a good yoga place, you know, and uh, if they let you in. I mean, honestly, to be honest, you know, it's hard. Some of them, you know, you got these younger, you got these women that are, some of them are very attractive. They're in their yoga pants and they're, they're wise to all of this. You know, they want, you know, guys want to come in there to more or less look at the women. But if you can find a yoga instructor and explain exactly what it is you're trying to do, uh, you know, I want to learn my breathing. I believe it can help me in my fighting. I want to get a little bit more flexibility. If you can find someone, go for it. It's, it's, I would always, I always wanted to do it, but I couldn't have the, I didn't have the time. Kevin and I never could get our schedules to, to, to do it. And we couldn't find a proper location, but yeah, breathing. I'm glad Nico, you're, see, you're on the ball here because you're bringing these things up. I can't remember everything. But breathing is just—it's uh, a fundamental thing. Without breath, we die. Is it <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Nico. I was just going to say, isn't it the best time to hit a body shot when somebody upon the inhale, somebody's inhaling? If you could time that, yeah. Well, with the know, body. That's the thing. Timing. We get right back to that timing. Um, and some fighters just have a better sense of timing. Uh, they can sense things. They can. You know, get, get again. The timing is all about for your from your standpoint. Your body has to be ready to strike. You know, to you know. And when I say strike, I don't mean necessarily necessarily mean hit, but to to do your technique, your body has to be perfectly positioned to do it. Okay. Uh, yes. Get that guy when he's you know and and disrupt him. Disrupt his his breathing. Um, and his patterns, you know, it's all about chaos, really. You want to really unsettle your opponent. And many times it, it means doing things that may be slightly untraditional, maybe hitting the guy, even though his hands are up, hitting him in his arms. As long as you're, again, allevi- you know, you're not opening yourself up too, too drastically to crazy counters. But just get this guy so he never can set, so he can never relax, okay? So he's always sort of like... Now, what's Tony going to do next? Or what's Nico going to do next? Um, that's a key. 
it's strategy. And strategy is the easy part. You being conditioned, you got to get in condition to do it. But man, strategy. I don't see a lot of interesting strategy when, when I watch some of the fights. That's why I'm not in really a big fan of what's going on because I don't see the, the strategy there. I see people hoping, hoping for an opening or, you know, it's like waiting for that check in the mail as opposed to going out looking for work. You know, same thing here. You know, let's create that opening. Let's create our destiny. And the best fighters in the world, no matter what style it is, that's what they do. They create their own destiny. Do you, you mentioned visualization, you know, and relaxation. We, we touched on those earlier. Do you also kind of in that realm of the men- mental state you're in, do you recommend, I don't know, being in an aggressive mind state? So hitting the bag with anger. So it's to help kind of generate power. Is, is there an anger or aggressive component to that you should be thinking about while you're training? Well, by nature, I have that aggressiveness and I've actually had to uh, try to work it, controlling it, temp- tempering it down. Um, I don't know if, if, boy, you're putting me on a spot because all of us are individuals and everybody's slightly different. Uh, yeah, I have an aggression. I'm not necessarily advocating that everybody else has that because some people can get so aggressive that they lose all control. Let's put it this way, Joe. When you work out in anything, everything has to be about control. You have to be in control of your thoughts. And I want to get back to this visualization, but briefly, actually, let's, not let's well anyway let me finish this thought um yes i have some aggression but uh you can turn that aggression two ways outwardly or inwardly okay uh and i just um i try to keep a clear head I, i try to put emotions out of it okay i fight hard to keep my emotions out of it so i can think clear because as i've always said you don't want to be fighting yourself in, in addition to your opponent or opponents. You want to be able to singular, singularly focus on them. So sometimes if you get too aggressive, you're, you're not aggressive. I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're dealing with a heavy bag, you're not pissed at the heavy bag unless there's something wrong with you. Um, you're, the aggression is something that you're carrying within. It's a psychological defect. It's something that you cannot, you know, can't blame on the heavy bag or the speed bag or whatever. Or the mirror. So you got to analyze, wait, 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 why am I so aggressive here? What's the problem? Because that'll come back and bite you in the ass. And I just have aggression just because of my upbringing, you know, I'm on stress and high edge, you know, because of all of that. So I've worked through my life to try to control it. Sometimes I do good. Sometimes I don't do so good. Okay. Um, And it's, it's going to be something that I, I'm going to have to work on it forever. Just like there's people with their weight. Some people can, they, they have to fight the rest of their life to control their weight or control their appetite. I don't have that problem. Okay. I'm always relatively the same body weight within just a few little pounds. It's great, but I have to worry about other things. So, but I would just say if a little bit of aggression will get you motivated, do it. If it, if, if, if it's more placidity, you know, being calm and just taking this analytically, if that'll get you motivated, then do it. For me, I could say I, I do need a, a little bit of aggression or moments of aggression, but overall, I want to leave that workout exhilarated, not, you know, ready to, you know, 
go after a bar of rednecks or something like that. Yeah, I think for me, when emotions get involved, like for example, if I'm training, um, if I get feel an emotion rising up, like anger or whatever, I also feel like my respiration getting faster and my heart rate getting faster. And for me, that's no good. I, 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 I like to bring myself down, have my heart rate a little bit lower and my breathing more relaxed. So I, I don't feel good when I'm like kind of like in a rage as far as training. It's autonomics. Yes. It's that adrenaline and you know, it can be, it can work against you. Yes. It's, it's a physiological thing. Okay. The body is very complex chemicals and neurons and, you know, electricity. And there's, there's so much going on. Yes. You, all of those are, are byproducts. Um, and sometimes being cool, calm and collected can work against you too. Cause you just can't get in the groove, right? You can't get to your key zone, the zone that you need to be in. Um, so you have to watch, you know, you, you have to find, and everyone is different. You have to find that zone or that state that is going to provide you with the most benefits. Again, all of us are different. We're not the same. Okay. We're, and, and everyone brings things differently to the table. So a good coach, it's more than a, a one hour session. A good coach has to really spend the time and analyze and get to know their uh, student and, um, and find out what the, what ticks. And we've discussed this before. The student has to be open and honest with their instructor, maybe revealing things that they normally wouldn't. And therefore, you have to make sure that you can trust your instructor and find a quality instructor that, that has some psychological and physiological training as well, not just the martial arts or not just boxing, you know, because um, there's, there's more to it. There, the, the mind, the physical body doesn't operate on its own. There, there, there's a thing called the brain that, that you know, pushing all of this and your mind is um the key to all of it what you think will manifest itself so bear that in mind and maybe i should have been more precise uh, something like a controlled aggression so obviously you always want to be in control like you know if you're if you're losing your cool and temper and just f freaking out um but i even think about like the one we grapple we, we're definitely not passive about it because we have, you know, you constantly kind of uh, beat into our heads. It's It's got to be quick as possible, you know, that you want to aggressively look to end the fight. Um, uh, yeah, that you're running where you're working against the clock in a street scenario. And so there is kind of a forward mindset. Like I've, I've either got to get that hook or rip or get out of there. You know, like I've got to get back to my feet or something. And so I'm, I'm probably mixing topics a little bit here, but just kind of, and again, this is maybe me talking about my issues with fighting as opposed to like you, like you, maybe you two guys, you know, the aggressive, you have to control that aggression. It goes to the point too much. But for me, I, like, I think I have to deal more with being inhibited or uh, lack of aggression, especially when I'm working a heavy bag. Like you said, it's an inanimate object, you know, and I try and visualize, okay, this is a guy fighting at me. But in reality, if I'm trading punches with a guy, probably it's either going to be something where I'm taken by surprise or, you know, scared because I'm being assaulted or I'm angry at the person. And so I've got to try and almost get myself into, into that mind frame and try and deal with those emotions too, as part of my training, working, working in the bag or the pads or whatever. Well, very true. Aggression or aggressiveness. That's yeah. That could be go both ways. If you're aggressive in your approach, 
to fighting. I'm all for that. I, I, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want a passive fighter because that's just not good. I mean, that's just the fight. You know, it's not going to work in your favor. You got to go out there, like I said, and look for, create your destiny. But if you're just an aggressive mindset person or, you know, you're work, it's, you, you're, it's working against you, no good. Anything that works against you, no matter what the word is, you know, um, is not good. It's just not. Now, let, let me get on this quickly. Um, I don't want to delve into this because this should be its own show. But the power of visualization cannot be underplayed. Um, and especially during the times that we're living in and we're going to continue to live in. Our training, as we know, is never going to be the same. So um, there's going to be a lot of this kind of training going on. Uh, you have to visualize. And when you visualize things, it has to be in slow motion and you have to see yourself in stages. Now, I don't want to get into this. This is all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say is one exercise. Try every day to clear your thoughts as much as possible and focus in your mind on one thing only. Let's say it's a pencil that you're holding in your hand, visualizing it. See how long your mind, your thoughts can stay on just that pencil. It won't. It, it'll probably in, in two, sec, two seconds or so, you're going to be thinking about other things. Now, I suggest doing this in a dark room, lights off, eyes closed, blindfolded, headphones on, whatever. So you hear no distractions, nothing that's going to startle you. And try to keep on thinking about whatever that one thing is without any other thoughts coming into your mind. That is incredibly difficult. And you will hopefully gradually be able to increase the time levels but you have to be honest with yourself because nobody else can tell you if you're doing it or not because it's all happening inside your mind. But try that as an example. And, and like I said, we can dedicate a whole show to this. Or not the whole show, but, you know, we could, this could be the focus of a topic um, down the line, uh, more geared towards, you know, some specific training. And when I do my YouTube things coming up in the first of the year, I'll, I'll discuss it as well. Um. But yeah, so we've pretty much covered those questions that Martino, Dino Martino had. Uh, yeah, techniques though, but boxing, there are, well, let me just say this. There are certain things that, you know, obviously you have to control, you have to protect your whole body. And, uh, you know, bending over like forward, not ducking, but, um, you know, that dipping down, maybe one thing, but you just got to watch because you can get need, you can get choked, you know, all those things. Um, you have to watch for that and clinching, you know, um, you, you've got to use your knees. You got to try to kick out, fight out, you know, headbutt out, whatever you can to get out of those clinches. Um, and you can use your ribs. So, uh, uh, but for, you know, traditional boxing, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, the techniques that really you need to master as far as strikes are all the punches in boxing, but most importantly, the head movement and the footwork, learning to make yourself, these are key key things to take away from boxing is that head movement, making it so, you know, you can't get hit or, you know, you're going to be harder to hit. Believe me, it's frustrating to not be able to land a punch on someone. Okay. And you know, you can get there and learn your jab. Your jab is the single most important punch. I think outside of as you got knockout power, you know, get that jab going because everything comes off that jab. If you can work on that jab, you know, maybe if you get a good right hand jab, cross hook, you know, if you can work on those three things, you know, and, and modify them, you're, you're golden, man. Um, you know, because 
this, you know, in a street scenario, you may not have room to do a lot of things, not even kicks. You know, there's plenty of times where you can't kick, you know, um, you're just jammed up. You don't have the room and, uh, boy, striking is, you know, short punches is, is the key here. And then again, forearms, elbows, those aren't traditional boxing, but you know, you add that in there. I think I covered some of this on a snap, no tap. It's been 10, 12 years since I did that. 11 years since I did that video. No, 12 years. Yeah, I filmed it, I think, in November of 2008. Wow, time's flying. I have a couple more topics or related sure. before we close out boxing. And just kind of a question. So when we work to generate power, I'm going to make kind of an analogy here with, with the tie kick. A lot of times we were just, we'd spend a round or multiple rounds, actually probably, I mean, over the course of months, you know, hundreds of rounds just throwing that kick as hard as we could so it wasn't like i wasn't throwing it in a real combat context so i wasn't mixing it in with a combination it was just like i'm gonna either go throw single or double kicks but it was really throw as many as you can as hard as you can so it's almost kind of circles back to the way that guy was working the heavy bag i mean not exactly but the focus was hey just keep you're focusing to try and, and now obviously we're, we were working on our form so in the case of like kicking it's like well pivot that lead leg or throw that arm and turn the hip over so we were focusing on specific technical aspects of the kick but it was all with the end goal of hitting as hard as possible and toughening up your shins and things so there was a couple of goals but really it was like the focus was always hard, power 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 on a single move and, and, and you know in time that came so I don't know, I don't know if I've ever heard in traditional boxing, do they do that where it's like, okay, you're just going to throw the right and you, your, or, you know, your cross or your hook for a round or a couple rounds. And you're really just going to throw to try and kill the bag, you know, uh, you know, really try and murder in that punch and, and focus on power as a way of developing power. Does that translate to the hands the way it did for the legs? Well, I can't speak for every boxing instructor out there, but the answer is yes. I mean, especially in my life, there's been times I've done nothing but work on the jab, work on the left, work on the cross, uh, you know, uh, or left, I meant left hook, you know, yes. So th in my life, the answer is yes, there's times for that, you know, but that's part of a puzzle. That's not the puzzle. Okay. It's a piece of it. So absolutely. Um, there's, there's benefit to that. And it may not always be to generate power. It could be to generate speed. Okay. Because that's part of it. Okay. Having that speed, throw that punch. Um, to generate the, the for the power, um, so yeah, that's all part of it. Now again, I'm not speaking. In broad, you know, every coach is probably different. You know, but yeah, you want to work on it. You know, um, I mean, you see guys working a focus miss, doing little short punches like this. You know, and crosses. You know, that's fine too. That's a, di a whole different goal there. Okay, that's a, just a different goal. But the heavy bag was, I would assume, was developed. You know, to mimic the torso of a human and to help generate that power. You know, when your arm hits it and your body's there, you know, if your body's not behind you, you know, you're going to rock back. You don't want that. You want to be solid and that's going to help build you up. So yes, you can work the jab over and over or the cross or the left hook or whatever, um, over or, or, or an overhand right or whatever it is, you know? Um, yes, yes, you can. But again, please, everybody put that in, you know, it's like an ingredient in, in a cooking recipe. Okay. It can't be, you can't load up the whole thing with pepper, you, you know, it's balance. So, um, and when you think you may need work 
on one thing, let's say your jab, really, in essence, you might also need or may need work exclusively on your left hook or an overhand right or something. Who knows? That's what, that's what a coach is for. Coach has to be there and analyze you and say, hey, this is what we need. You know, you got to get this going. Um, yeah. So, but see, to me, boxing is one of the, you know, it's been around forever. You know, I mean, it's, it's part of our culture and other countries' cultures, not all countries, but many. And, um, you know, it's, it's gone, it's, it's going through a, a big change. Who knows what the future is going to be, but, uh, you know, I don't care to predict the future. I'm not a prognosticator. If I was, I'd move to Punxsutawney and I'd kick the groundhog out of his hole and I'd, I'd be there and I'd be famous and they'd be making movies. I'd be making movies with Bill Murray and more importantly, Andy McDowell. Maybe that's what I should do. She'd like me. She's a Southern belle. Do you, um, an- another kind of self-defense, I'm just kind of thinking of other things. Well, uh, do you, a lot of boxing training obviously is a sport of context. So, you know, you start in your two corners and you come out with your hands up, you know, you're fighting, you know, and a lot of like 99.9% of drills I've ever done start like that with boxing. But in reality, you know, you don't necessarily on the street start like that. You could be standing casually or, you know, there could be a scenario where someone's talking to me and in their face. And so the kind of, I guess what I'm going is, is like drilling things like sucker punches. So, you know, like getting in front of a heavy bag and standing there, like I might like in a kind of a, a pseudo stance, you know, like where my hands, I'm kind of getting in position, but it sh- I shouldn't telegraph that, Hey, I'm about to fight. Cause normally a boxing stance, there's no question what I'm doing we were fighting at that point. My hands are up. I'm looking aggressive, but you know, in a real confrontation, I may have to practice throwing that right hand or, or my initial combination from a casual stance or, or something. So do you, do you advocate drills like that? Or I guess, or, or absolutely. Or... I've, I've shown them before. Now, unfortunately for the people who are just listening to our podcast, who by the, which by the way, were now picked up by Pandora. I put the link on my website. At least I think I did. They won't be able to see this. But for example, you could stand there with your arms crossed like this, okay? But meanwhile, let's say it's my left hand here. I'm actually tensing my left hand up against my right, you know? And I mean, this kind of can, you can kind of make this look, I mean, this is generally considered an aggressive stance, but it's not really. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you could blow it off by just telling jokes while you're like this, but I'm tensing, tensing, tens- tensing, and then bam, I'm going to release it and give you that backhand. Okay. Or you can put your hand, I showed this on a lost start of hooking or a snap, no tap against your hip and then boom, hit him in the groin, hit him in wherever. So yes, there are ways of doing that, of being um, surreptitious, but a true sucker punch means you're not even seeing it coming. So you're really not going to defend against it. I remember you many years ago, somebody put out a a video about defending against a sucker punch and truly you can't defend against an actual sucker punch. Okay. Because it's, you don't see it. If you see it coming, it's semantics here, but if you see it coming, it's not a sucker punch. You see it. Um, it's, it's those punches or techniques <clears throat> that you don't see coming that none of us really have should have any guilt over or have any <clears throat> real chance to defend against. You have to realize quickly what's happening and, and, and pull yourself together if you're still conscious. Um, and that's important. Uh, but yeah, doing what I just told you, those kind of things, there's, there's several, there's, there's a few, 
you know, you could scratch your head like, oh man, God, my head hurts. And then you're using your, your head this way. You're pushing backwards as you're pushing forward with this hand to build up that tension. Oh man. And then bam, you get that power to come across the face with a hammer fist. Okay. And then they'll, don't stop there. There's that hammer fist. You fl- then here's the palm heel, let's say. And then you come across with the elbow, you know, boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, you know, you put those patterns like you did in boxing, but now you're just changing the notes. Okay. Um, it's a triplet. So these, there's, there's plenty of things like that. There really is, you know, you, you can, it, it's amazing what you can come up with using like an isometric type of strike because you don't, you're not going to be what you're talking about. Joe is not being able to be in a traditional stance where you can generate that power from your whole body. You're now generating it from a portion of your torso. So you need to augment that. You really do. Um, yeah, th- that's great stuff. Um, I love to do that stuff. And uh, I utilize that as much as I possibly can in real life situ- situations because any advantages, you know, I want to take. I don't know you. I've trusted so many people in the business world and I've gotten screwed damn near every single time. You think I'm going to trust a total stranger in a street fight situation and this is going to be an okay deal? No. No, I'm, I'm too smart for that. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to try to end your life as po- if possible. If I feel threatened, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's over. So I'm going to use these tools, Joe. And these are tools that you could use and everybody else in our listening audience can, can use, you know, um, I would love to hold some uh, camps. If the COVID ever lifts weekend things here in the city, out here in Illinois, you know, and um, you know, like Friday, Saturday or Sunday, or even Saturday and Sunday, and Friday could be more of just theory. Uh, I was doing some of those, but shit happens, you know. Um, this COVID came and, and other things. But you're only limited by your creativity. But once again, I tell everybody out there, before you start rushing off and trying to reinvent the wheel, make sure everything you're doing is physiologically sound so you're not running the risk of injury uh, maybe not immediate injury, but repetitious over time. And number two, that um, you know your target, you can hit it, you can assess it. Three, you're not leaving yourself vulnerable for an inordinate amount of time. Okay, that's the thing. And most of the stuff when you're playing around in the gym, that reinforces bad habits. So, um, you know, you got to be efficient. Efficiency is the key here. That's it. Isn't there a saying that goes the most powerful punch you're going to get hit with is the one you don't see coming? Right. I mean, that that's another thing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the power, the really strong punches, if you see them, you can kind of brace for it or mentally get ready for it. Yeah. If you don't see it coming, you know, it, and even if you, even if it doesn't hurt you that much, even if a strike, it can startle you. And there's that moment of discombobulation where your mind is like, what, what's going on here? Okay. And, just think about saying that out loud, that phrase, what's going on here. That takes two seconds to say that. Okay. Imagine that going through your mind. That's two seconds that your opponent can use to destroy you, to immediately gain the advantage or perhaps even kill you, literally kill you. So, you know, you have to, if you can't, if you don't have eyes in the back of your head, you have to be so trained in your mind to instantly put those thoughts about like what just happened to me or what's going on here 
out. Put them out of your head. Don't allow that to happen. Can't let that enter. You've got to turn that switch and you've got to go after the guy now. You worry about everything else later. Okay, go after him, destroy him, because he just did something to you that could potentially kill you or injure you or cripple you or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to this, man. It goes way beyond even techniques. It all starts in your brain. You know, somebody once said that I'm psycho, that I'm nuts. They watched one of the, the uh, snap, no tap things. Well, I, this is not a game to me. Okay, if I think you got bad intentions, it's over for you. You're not going to get out of this without, you may not get out of it alive, but you're certainly going to get hurt. And a lot of people have that ability physically, but they don't have it up here in the head. This is not a game. This is not fun. You're not going to, let's, let's have some fun with this. Let me test you out. It's not going to happen because I, there's no like cruising here. I'm going to go in to, to make sure you never do this again to not just me, but to anybody, you're going to be taught the ultimate lesson. And that's what all of us have to realize in a street. You have to have that kind of mindset and you have to have the ability to do it because you may never get another chance again, you know, and you're going to let this mama Luke run crazy and do it to other people. Uh, uh. Now I'm aggressive, Joe. See, now you took me out of my nice passive. Where's the heavy bag when you need one? Um, God, you know, Joe, just, you're, you, sometimes you just get to me. You, you know, know it was a good like object lesson. But... <laughs> right. But, but the thing is you can't, you can't let it, you, you have to have that moment of trigger where you're like, oh, I'm in there, but you, it's, it's not an overall thing. It's just enough. And then let it go um, and control yourself, have a control rage. But see, I run these scenarios through my mind all the time. Okay. What am I going to do? I'm going to hit them this way, that way, that boom, boom, boom. I, I have these scenarios all planned out. Okay. It's like memorizing a speech or it's like a comic you know, who has a million jokes, you know, they have all these jokes and at any time, depending on what the situation is, they know the appropriate joke. Maury Amsterdam used to be like that. The man, you know, the human joke machine and there's a science behind it. Okay. Um, and, and there's a science to this, you know, you just have to run these scenarios through your head and you have to have them ready, you know, to, to unleash you know, the only key, like I said, again, I'm going to re reiterate this. If this, if it's a true sucker punch and you don't see it, it could, it, that alone could end your fight. Now, what do you do about that? Well, you can live the life of a complete paranoid maniac, you know, and, and always be looking around. Um, or you just sometimes have to just gamble with it. You know, awareness is really important. If you're, you should always know your whereabouts. And if you sense that there's people around, then you, then you have to know I'm at risk here. Okay. Of a physical encounter with somebody else. I'm at risk. You, you just have to know that you cannot blindly put your trust in someone. You, you, you can't. So therefore, once I know that I'm, you know, there's a potential here, I'm always like, if I'm in a bar situation, I don't like sitting at the tables. I like sitting at the bar. I like to, hopefully they have a back bar or they have a mirror. So I'm always looking at that mirror. I'm watching to see what's going on. I'm looking around, you know, I always want to know what's happening. I look for weapons that can possibly be there. I don't mean what they're carrying, but beer bottles or pool cues or whatever, silverware that they can use. You know, it's all about awareness. So I'm, that's how I'm trying to prepare myself to defend against a potential sucker punch. Okay. And, um, you know, I just have habits like that. You know, um, and I don't sit like with a pattern. Like I don't constantly sit and look forward, okay, and not move. 
because if somebody's you know, there to get me, um, they're going to know, oh, this guy don't move. I can sneak up on him. But if I'm moving around, you know, spinning around, always looking around, this is going to give that guy a second thought. He's like, well, shit, I got to be careful approaching this dude because, you know, he may catch me moving up to him. See, these are ways of defending against a quote-unquote zucker punch. You know, you want to defend against it before it actually happens. You want to prevent it. It's not even a defense against it. It's a prevention. You know, prevention of a sucker punch is what your goal here is, not defending against it. So, um, and there, you know, these are just, you know, same with a bus sitting on public transportation. You got to know what's around you. You know, if I'm going to sit on a bus, I'm not going to, okay, let's say there's people behind me. You know, I mean, this is, I'm not going to sit like this. Okay. I'm going to, you know, if I'm, if I'm by the window seat, I'm going to sit like this. You know, so I have a little bit of an angle. I can see what's, you know, I can look around, see if somebody's going to get smart with me behind me, you know, and I could, I can, I have a better, you know, field of vision now. I, I have a better idea of what's going on. Okay. And even if I'm not against the window, you know, I got to see who I'm sitting next to. You know, I'm not going to be leaning into their space, but, you know, I'm just going to have a little bit of an angle going on here. I want to know. You know. Antonio, yeah, anytime I go in public places, I've been told I'm I have paranoia, which I probably do, and I don't trust nobody. But I always, I guess instinctively, I kind of, I tend to sit like in a corner where my back is to the wall because I don't, for some reason, I don't like when there's people behind me. I don't like right. that at all. So I always kind of sit in in a corner area where I can see everything and nobody could get behind me. But I guess that could kind of be work against you too because you could potentially get trapped in that area. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, the, the big thing, though, is, yeah, you don't want somebody behind you. You don't ever want to expose your back. You just don't want to do it. But, you know, you have to have an escape route planned. You know, and remember, if, if you are up against the wall, let's say, you, you know, your, your, your thing now is not, not even necessarily, def, you know, defeating these people or this person so much. It's escape. You know, get into a, you know, getting, open, getting it's like a football player looking for its opening so he can run. And don't you guys ever bring up the, the Browns. They, they lost on that last-minute field goal. Forget it. It was a great game. But anyway, um, you, you just have to look for that opening. Uh, you can't do everything, okay? You just have to mitigate cer certain things. You know, you have to lessen your, your chances and one of, the, you know, of, of getting hurt. And one, one of the things for me is, yeah, I don't like people behind me. I don't like that either, Nico. I don't. Um, it just is not. I don't like it. Too many, too too much bad stuff can happen. I'd rather have everybody in front of me because that's where my tools are. My tools are all in front of me. My hands, my legs—they're all in front of me. I don't have anything behind me like that, you know. Um, so you're not really wrong in that way of thinking. Um, when I go to a place, especially if I become a regular, I always try to tend to sit at the same spot if I can. Nobody else is there. I'll sit there because it. I pick out the seat that's most advantageous for me, the spot that I know that I could do the most good. Let's put it that way. You know, one of the things you're going, going back to kind of, well, there's two topics, kind of the sucker punch and the unseen punch, because one of the things that gives me, at least in the midst of a confrontation, so let's say you're already trading punches, a, a little bit uh confidence about not getting hit with the unseen punch. I mean, if someone's got ridiculous physical attributes, you know, as I'm getting older, young kids could maybe be so fast. I mean, I've had some of the guys you've had at the gym, some of the accomplished wrestlers, it's amazing. Some of their takedowns they can hit, you know, almost before you see it happening, but kind of going back to the punches is 
I remember getting tagged with one very early in my boxing training, uh, even before I met you, Tony. Um, this great old guy, I was sparring with him. You know, he, he was already kind of an old timer, but he set me up perfectly. I just, and the reason he set me up is I had bad habits. My defense was bad and he exploited that. So uh, he, I remember specifically the setup. I was dropping my hand to catch a punch to the stomach, which was a huge mistake. Uh, you know, I'd seen it in some kind of Kung Fu book, you know, kind of a block strike <laughs> move bad move right so he's he does he tests me out he throws a jab at my stomach he sees that and he's like okay he faints to the stomach and then hooks me i never saw that hook coming he hooks to my head as my hand is going down to block and i guess i'm making a <laughs> taking a long way to get to this point but if i had used proper defense um you know i would have been defended against that unseen punch you know like that if i had tried to just protect with my elbows so a lot of times having this kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation is drilling proper form, you know, like when I'm hitting the heavy bag, I am visualizing someone, okay, he's going, for, you know, he's, he's striking, you know, to my lower body. So I'm blocking with my elbows or, you know, if it's a hook, I'm keeping tight defense. So I think that that a is kind of a, you might not be able to protect against a perfect setup, but if you have proper uh, technique and defense in your game, you improve your odds of not being hit by that unseen punch. Let's take a back step. You didn't even need to protect it with your elbow. You should have protected that little punch that he threw with your stomach conditioning alone. Okay. You should be able to absorb those types of punches to your stomach without even worrying about it. So I'm just going to make that little addendum here. And that's where the importance of physical, physical conditioning comes into play. You should not worry about body shots I mean, we're not talking about taking hundreds of them here, okay? Um, but, yeah, um, worry about that. Yeah, you should have kept your elbows in tight. Make it so that it's not going to be much of a target, okay? Change your body position. There's more than just moving your arms, okay? First of all, like I said, get your torso sh strong so you can absorb those punches easily. Secondly, keep your elbows in a position where you don't necessarily have to move them, but they're in a tucked position. Don't be wide open with your stance. I, I, I show in a snap no tap how to curl in. You know, like almost like a peck deck kind of move. So you're really not giving the guy much to shoot at as far or to aim at with those body shots. And then the other thing is move your body. Get, you know, you could deflect something like that just by pivoting, okay, just by shifts. And that puts your hands, again, constantly in the right position to counter. So if you know that your stomach can handle that punch, let him hit you. As, as his punch is coming, timing, man, okay, you throw that overhand right. Or across, whatever, you know, whatever it is, depending on how he's, how he's coming at you, you counter with that punch. Okay. So it's, it's like, yeah, you dropped your hand. Don't, you know, but you don't even need to blocks should be the last and not the last resort, but that's a part of it. Don't always even be re relying on blocks. Like people rely now quick. The quick thing is teach everybody how to sprawl. Well, there's so much more, you know, sprawling is a la like one of the last ditch things. Now everybody's making that like a, a, you know, the first line. No, it's later on down, okay? It's down the chain. So get your conditioning, learning how to move by getting out of the way, footwork, footwork, because then you'll still be in position to counter. He won't. That's so much better. And then the blocks, you know, shit like that. So there's a pecking order, in my opinion, and it works very well. And, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> You'd be, you'd be surprised with a little, like if you stayed with me for one week, honest to God now, and this is all we worked on, 
you would never, you'd be better than you could ever have been, but ever would imagine. It's just a question of time. And then you come to the gym, we only have a limited amount of time. And then you go home and you do your other things and all of this, and you, you know, you don't get back to it. But, you know, this isn't like showing you how to bench 800 pounds, which, which may never happen, or, you know, it's going to take you years and years. This stuff doesn't take years and years. You need to see it. You need to work on it. And it can change your life. You know, you got you got to be dedicated to do it. So we don't have that much more time here, guys. So we've been at this about an hour and a half. So I think we need to wrap this up. I have to go to Walmart and pick up Tramadol. My mom's insurance is only covering one week's supply. Thank you, Humana. Um, but I need to get that today. It's done. Um, and uh, you know. Uh, I got some other things that I have to do. I'm getting all prepped for this uh, new adventure that we'll talk about maybe next week with, with uh, you know, what I want to do with YouTube and generate some stuff. And uh, But that's it. I want to thank both of you guys, really. It, it's been great. I want to thank Martin Witkowski, who I really would like to have on this show. I mentioned it to him in the email, but he, he needs a little prodding. You know, um, maybe we can offer him some Vishnufka. He might come out for that. <laughs> Um, you know, Watch your language, Tony. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, pan. That's Polish. Um, so yeah, dziękuję to you, Martino. Thank you for those questions. Uh, but I want you guys to know I love both of you. You're great. I wish we could have seen each other before the holidays. You know, I got a nice contact from uh, Joe Dankowski the other day, which was phenomenal hearing his voice and talking to him. And he's itching to get back to training too. But you know, with all the COVID things right now, I got to put it off. But Joe Dankowski is, uh, he's one of those stud wrestlers that you talk about. The guy's like grease lightning, you know? Um, but again, his body is in a perfect position. There, there's a guy, another woman who's just got, you know, he's just got so much raw talent and he's a quick learner. He's good at this stuff. And, um, there's a guy that I think could become, you know, a monster. We can get back to training. And if he could just focus on this, catch wrestling and forget the other stuff for a while, he, he could become, hello. You know, he's good. You know that Joe. Oh yeah. You both know he's got some, yeah. he's got some natural abilities in it. But again, he's got, he's just a hell of a nice person. And that really inspires me because it, this guy will never put these use these moves to bad use you know he'll he'll do them the right he'll do it the right way I, that guy i really i like him a lot man i i wish we could get them all together you know everybody brian denise brian klaus you know bruce uh costa you name it everybody you know all these guys that we used to work out with dave Harlich, all of them everybody get back together you know just and not just to hang out to work out, you know, Javier, get him in here and, you know, oh, we, we could back like the old days, you know. Maybe post-COVID we can start trying to do that, start putting this back together, get the yeah. band back together. But Yeah, let's get the band back together again, yeah. I don't, um, but anyway, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoot. So I want to thank you, and uh, hopefully we can all hook up soon. Yeah, and Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you before then and to everybody yeah. else out there. To everybody else out there, Merry Christmas, and we'll – We'll see. We'll talk before the New Year's to these people. But yep, Merry, Merry Christmas and uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right, thank you, everybody.
Ha 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 ha! 